Good morning. It is Tuesday, January 3rd at 10.30 a.m. This is kind of a uh, post-game wrap-up, kind of a quick cast, a little bit of everything today. Got a couple thoughts on Purdue's uh, annihilation in the Citrus Bowl, the 63-7 loss versus LSU. I've got some thoughts on the the Rutgers loss uh, from Mackey Arena this time. And uh, some just surface thoughts on the collapse of uh, Demar Hamlin, which kind of was a was a rightful pall on everything uh, during during last night's sports stuff that was happening. Uh, before I get into too deep, let me talk or let me think. Let me thank uh, Martin Vintage. Head over to martinvintage.com. Enter boiled at checkout, get fifteen percent on your off your favorite design there, favorite T-shirt, favorite sweatshirt, uh, martinvintage.com, and you could do as I did yesterday. Uh, you could go next time you're on campus, go to AJ's. AJ's on Vine. Uh, they were uh, super hospitable to me. They were very nice to some fellow BS pals that I got to meet. Uh, it was awesome. Got to talk to a bunch of people uh, yesterday. Uh, a little bit about AJ's, honestly. So uh, head over there. And, and my wife does not agree. The mac and cheese bites are not the best appetizer. She says the pretzels. Go with the pretzels. And the pretzels are good. And I talked to Adam from AJ's about why they're so good. And it starts off with the way they're prepared are ridiculous. They're, they're, they're awesome. They're fried. Then there's some butter put on to make the salt stick. I mean, can you can you go wrong there? Um, we ate a little bit of everything. We did have the, um, uh, we had a really healthy, healthy meal. We also had the, uh, funnel cake sticks. I've been calling them funnel, funnel cake fries, funnel cake sticks. Very good. So, um, head over to AJ's, uh, and, uh, when you're on campus, eatajs.com if you want to order ahead. So, uh, yeah, uh, Sam Hagerman jumps right and says greatest day in Purdue sports ever. Well, let's, let's, I, I said this to someone, if this is, balance to the universe, to the um, the sports universe, the Purdue universe of what happened back in November, that amazingly successful, what, four days for Purdue sports where Purdue, you know, had the, had the victory over IU that clinched a spot also with, with other things falling into place, clinched a spot in the Big Ten title game in football, and then you had the wins over, uh, what was it, West Virginia, uh, Gonzaga and Duke in, in a four-day period or three-day period. Incredible, incredible. This is not as bad as that. But the funny thing is they're so related because without that IU victory, Purdue doesn't go to the Big Ten Championship, doesn't get the bull that they get. They don't get the Citrus Bowl. And they Purdue doesn't have the fallout, the opt-outs. Uh, sounds like Jeff Brom was going to leave anyway. But... Let's look at football first, okay? The lineup that Purdue put on the field was at best a patchwork, right? And all the guys out there, they were busting their asses, it looked like. They were doing everything they could. I'm not disparaging the people that were there. In fact, I thank those guys for going out there and putting it all on the line. I mean, we saw multiple guys injured. We saw Sheffield, in a very scary moment, uh, leave on a backboard. Horrible moment for Purdue fans, obviously. Horrible moment for Sheffield. Turns out he's good. 
Everything was fine, all precautionary. Football's brutal. It is a brutal game. Uh, if you're anything like me, this is why you respect those guys so much because you could never play it like they do. And you weren't as brave as they were, and you weren't as athletic as they were, and I surely wasn't. I played very little organized football, and I love the game, and I appreciate the people that play it because they're so darn much better than I am at anything, honestly, athletically. So, uh, but Purdue was outmatched. They were outcoached. They were outprepared. They were, they were, they were not as good as LSU in any way. LSU had a couple of opt-outs. Purdue had a lot of opt-outs in very key positions that kind of provide that provide the boost or the. Um, uh, they they are they define what Purdue's offense was this year. They define what Purdue's offense was the last couple of years, and uh, it was extremely obvious that Purdue was not going to do well that day. It seemed like LSU understood that Purdue was going to struggle. Even from the beginning, even when uh, Purdue would get LSU off the field, it just felt like it was being taped together. I thought this would happen. Um, Purdue's, remember, it wasn't just roster. It was also coaching staff. Purdue had, it was awesome that Drew, Drew Brees was there on the sideline. It was weird to see, very cool to see him on the sideline. But still, Purdue had a coaching staff that was put together that was not, it was not complete. And those guys did everything they could. I don't believe there's any, there's some horrible, weird conspiracy theories out there. Uh, of course, in the worst place on the world, I'm not going to put them down anymore because that one message board, it's not good right now. The website's awesome, but that message board, mercy. Some things that are said on there are just horrendous. And I'm sure it was bad yesterday. I did not have the opportunity to get on there yesterday, and I kind of avoided it on purpose. And I'll stay off it probably again for a little bit anyway. But, uh, yeah, Purdue was overmatched. Purdue was going to get beaten that game, and they got beaten really badly. Um, Austin Burton, another good guy. Glad he came to Purdue. Did not look like he should be a starting quarterback. Looked like a, a solid backup. Uh, looked like a guy that... Um, Struggled to make the throws. And then when Michael Amo came in, I mean, when he had one down where he ran the ball, I think, because uh, Burton had lost his helmet on a play that looked like, uh, I mean, there was a targeting penalty that was taken away. It was not targeting, in my opinion. I don't, every time I think I've got the targeting rule nailed, I'm wrong. Every single time. So either the rules are written incorrectly or the refs don't understand the way that writing is. Whatever it is, I'm always wrong. I thought that was not a targeting and I was right this time, so that's neat. Um, but Burton comes out, Alamo comes in, he plays one play. Then later he's given the reins, I thought very late, way too late. Purdue was down by like a billion at that point. Alamo comes in, sails a pass right away, intercepted. First pass he throws. <laughs> Came back in, didn't do a whole bunch. Couldn't move the, the offense very well. Uh, then we got to see, I think it's Albers, the uh, walk-on quarterback. <laughs> And there was just nothing happening there. Purdue couldn't create space for Maccabee. Uh, the receivers did what they could. It just, it just wasn't a good day. Here's the good news, the bigger picture. Let's look at that. The bigger picture is Purdue is going a new direction. Things are going to get better. They're sure as hell going to be better than they were in that bowl game. But they're going to get better. That's, that's, that's the big overarching theme. I love the fact that Ryan Walters is putting together his staff. He's got guys coming in that want to be Purdue players. He's got additions to the program already <clears throat> via transfer. <clears throat> Pardon me. 
Uh, my voice is a little funny because I was in Mackey Arena last night, as you guys, some of you guys saw on Twitter. So I'll talk about that in a second. But the anyway, the uh, football team struggled, and not surprisingly, and they will be better. Um, and I'm excited about next fall. I'm excited about spring ball. I'm excited about all of it. I'm looking forward to seeing this new next chapter. Now we move on to basketball. Basketball. Uh, I was in Mackey with my wife. It was awesome. Uh, we had a fun because we're old people, uh, but we had a uh, a date night and uh, got, like I said, went to AJ's. I think we, uh, I'm hoping I'm getting this right, but the woman we talked to in AJ was na- name was Michelle and she was from St. Louis area. She's got a daughter that's a, a, a Purdue grad and we talked to her at length about, she loves, uh, she loves BS, which is awesome. She loves the Boiled Sports uh, uh, podcast, she likes the quick cast, likes the post game. Really neat to talk to anybody who said that. That was very, very cool. Um, and we talked to a couple other people today. My wife and I did. It always annoys my wife when someone comes up and recognizes me from the site, which is hilarious to me every time. But that was great. Um, and then we went over to the uh, arena. We took our time, enjoyed. It was very foggy on uh, on campus in God's country. Uh, weather was excellent, though. I mean, 55 degrees walking on campus in January. That's pretty awesome, pretty unusual. <clears throat> Mackie was pretty lit up. Without having the paint crew, that was a... Very good crowd, very energetic, very loud. They said it got up to 122 decibels, I think. Um, that's way up there. It wasn't consistently loud. The paint crew is next level compared to the old people, uh, myself included. I'm pretty loud at a game. I get angry. I get uh, sarcastic sometimes. <laughs> Yesterday, I didn't get too angry other than um, the refs couldn't, couldn't call over the back on Rutgers. Just couldn't do it in the first half. Wouldn't do it. Couldn't do it, weren't going to do it. They weren't going to call blocking on them. They weren't going to call reaching in. Rutgers played a very physical game. That is not why um, Purdue was getting their can kicked around. Purdue was not prepared for Big Ten basketball, it looked like to me, which is interesting because I think Purdue for so long has been one of the programs that defines Big Ten-style defense. But Rutgers' Big Ten-style defense right now is much better than Purdue's. Rutgers, Rutgers is long. This is a big... So here are the things. The reason that Rutgers is a tough matchup on Purdue. They're long. They've got guards that, are, that have long arms that are tall. That was tough on Smith all game. It's funny. He's played longer guards. He played athletic teams. Duke is obviously athletic and long and good. Rutgers plays a very good system of defense. They play a trap in the half court at times. They throw different looks at teams. Smith had no idea how to handle that pressure that was extended far out. He made some mistakes that he hasn't made this season. I'm not damning the guy. I still think he's one of the best point guards ever at Purdue in my lifetime. But man, he's he, he will grow up a lot and he needed to see that, what it's like in the Big Ten. It's different. Rutgers is a, an exceptionally good defensive team and their center is the second best center in the league. And he can guard Edie straight up. He is athletic. He is long. He can move well. Um, he plays with a good chip on his shoulder. He's not a, like, sometimes when you see a guy that's that good versus Purdue, it like frustrates you because you don't like him. I don't dislike any of the, any of the guys on Rutgers. They all look like players that I'm like, man, I would like these guys to play for Purdue. Um, and Peichel is an incredible coach. I thought the refs gave way too many warnings to Rutgers. And in spite of the fact they got a tech in the first half, they should have had two more techs in the second half, but big 10 officiating is not going to be good or consistent, it is not going to be that way. It is never good. It is never consistent. 
they called a cheap foul on Edie very early in the game that kind of set a tone, made it difficult on Edie. He had two fouls early, so then Purdue had to play without him, which takes Purdue completely out of their system. Go figure, when you lose a player of the year candidate type of guy like Zach Edie, it's tougher. It's, it's an uphill climb, and it was an uphill climb without Edie. First and TKR came in, tried to match the physicality of Rutgers, couldn't really do it. Uh, the gap got bigger, got up to 13 points. If you don't remember, if you weren't watching, it was a rough game for Purdue. And then Purdue fought and scratched and clawed. But while they were doing it, they were kind of shooting themselves in the foot. And the biggest way they were doing that, they shot free throws really well in the first half and they didn't get to the line as much as they wanted to. Second half, they were getting to the line and they were missing free throws. It dropped. I think they were up in the high 70s down to into the 60s. I think they finished in the 60s. I'm not even going to look at stats right now um, just because I'm so late already. You guys know the stats. I don't think there's much of a point to it. But what I saw is a very good Rutgers team, which is a very bad matchup for Purdue consistently. This isn't a coincidence that they've beaten Purdue twice as number one. It's because they are a tough matchup for Purdue. Purdue has their road, uh, the work cut out for them in the coming games. I said I thought they'd lose two out of the next five, including this one. Uh, I didn't think they'd lose to Rutgers. I thought they'd shoot a little bit better at home. Fletcher Lawyer had some heroics at the end. He kind of gathered it up. He had two free throws, which was important because I think he missed two right before that. But he hit two free throws and then later hit a three. It put Purdue up by two points. Spencer from Rutgers comes right back. Hits a three. Very similar to the way Rutgers beat Purdue last year in Piscataway. In that it looked like Purdue hit the game winner and then Rutgers hit the game winner. And then Purdue couldn't put together an offensive set to uh, counterpunch one more time. Great effort by Rutgers. Peichel's a great coach. Purdue should learn just a ridiculous amount from this loss. Purdue, uh, they'll be number one for two more games because they have three games this week. Very, very unusual. And... Um, I think it's a positive to lose this game at home because you don't have to go through the rush, the storm in the court garbage, right? When you're number one, uh, student sections want to rush the court. Now, here's the problem. Purdue plays, like I said, two more games this week. I think they're both on the road. The next one is Ohio State. I'm not looking at anything. I'm not prompting with notes today. Um, so they're going to have a fresh Ohio State student section. Something to think about for Purdue players, if any of their parents are watching, or I don't think any of the, play the players watch is they're going to be playing a student section that's been home and in the house with their parents, bored, angry, whatever you want to say, and now they're playing the number one team in the nation. Purdue's still going to have that little number one next to them. So Purdue better damn well be ready, or they're going to get the court stormed on them in Columbus. And that's the thing that, man, I hate that more than anything. I, I mean, I, I don't hate storming the court. I get why uh, kids want to storm the court and why fans want to storm the court. I'm not saying that. But I hate watching Purdue get the court stormed against them because it's one of those things it's shown over and over and over. And even last year, I mean, I Big Ten Network, again, does Purdue no favors. Before the Purdue game, they were showing Rutgers beat Purdue last year. And that's great. I mean, I, it's, it's timely for Rutgers fans. But Big Ten Network never does Purdue any favors. Well, all we get at Purdue, what, what do we get? We get to see Drew Brees' Rose Bowl like 7,000 times, right? And then they show shit like that. Pardon me. That stuff bothers me. Uh, it bothers me a lot because it seems like that programming kicks Purdue in the mouth a lot. Anyway, got a little wound up. Uh, now, to react to the, the lousy, horrible, uh, what, the, what happened on the field last night in Cincinnati uh, to DeMar Hamlin, okay? And I, I did a little bit of research this morning because I did, I'm going to be really honest. 
I'm not a huge NFL fan. Uh, I didn't know DeMar Hamlin. Purdue didn't play Pitt. That's the reason I would have known him as that. But DeMar Hamlin, I, I looked up his his college um, highlight reel. Man, the dude, could, he, he for a little guy, I think he's 6'1", what, 200 pounds, 210 pounds in college. Hit, he hits hard. He hits a lot harder than a than a uh, a guy his size usually does. He's a ball hawk. He's a confident guy. He's one of those a perfect defensive back, uh, free safety in a system where he doesn't remember the previous play. Just moves on and he keeps going, coming at you. Um, seems like a great guy off the field. He runs a charity. It's now raised like three and a half million dollars uh, because of this. The awareness that was brought to his name. Uh, so that's awesome. People are making something positive or very negative. But that is such a freak play. When you watch that, what happened to have the defender get hit right on the chest and to throw his heart out of rhythm, uh, horribly sad, horribly difficult. Again, it goes back to that thing I talked about at the beginning with Sheffield. These guys love playing. I guarantee you, um, I guarantee you he's, he feels like he's doing what he's meant to do. You know, um, It doesn't make it any easier, you know. But it's it's very sad. It's very tough to watch. Um, thank God I wasn't watching it live. I was in Mackie. And uh, but the the video of the Bills players <clears throat> and even the Bengals players in tears as they watched the the medical crews struggle to save his life were just horrible. It puts everything in perspective real quickly. Of course, the game doesn't matter at that point. But let's be honest about something. Okay, let's be honest about a couple things. Number one. The game does matter to a lot of us. And the game matters to him. He loves football. Again, those guys who are playing love it. The score didn't matter then. But they were out doing what they loved to do. They were. This is the way they make a living. And when someone would, in my, in my field, if someone gets hurt, killed, whatever, away from their job, you hear it and it just kind of makes you sink. And it puts everything in priority very quickly. Uh, puts the, puts things in perspective, pardon me, very quickly. Um, but the game does matter to those guys. And, it, and I've heard this say it said a lot recently, especially with Purdue's bowl game. This, this bowl game doesn't matter. None of these things really matter, right? I mean, like, if you're going to say, are we going to um, stop world hunger from Purdue taking the field versus LSU? No. But it's what, what do we do with football? What, what comes with basketball? What do you, what's the positive the relationships that come out of it? Sure, the game itself doesn't matter because it's a game, right? But I've been doing this thing that I'm doing right now for almost as long as my son's been alive for 17 years because I love it. I love sports. I love talking to you guys about sports. And um, the game, I'm going to say the game does matter. It's fun. It's good. It's a diversion from real life. It's a diversion from things like what happened to Hamlin. Bad things happen to people. And that's, we all of us have reminders of that in our lives. Every single one of us, right? So the game does matter. Purdue losing to Rutgers. It matters to us because we're Purdue fans. Is it that? Is it something that changed your life? No. You, I leave Mackey Arena the same guy as I was when I came in with my wife. Thank God I've got my wife and my kids. All right, that's that's the that's the first thing. The second part is, yeah, I'm a little down this morning because Purdue lost to Rutgers. I mean, I, let's not throw out everything. The reason you guys buy tickets, the reason you guys pay for Purdue sweatshirts, because you love your university, you love the fact you went there, and then. You uh, you really want to support them in a way that's fun. And it's really fun to go to Mackey and go to ross right? And for the guys that opt out of these games, fine. They have every right to opt out of these games. But to say it doesn't matter and that 
those guys playing, they shouldn't do it because of whatever. Sure, if you want to, if you feel like you want to protect your draft stock and whatever, all these guys who opt out, not just a Purdue, want to do it, they have the right to do it. Absolutely. And no one's going to tell them that they can't do it. The ramifications of that, obviously, their teammates don't play as well when they're not there. The team doesn't play as well, right? All this thing, these things is what's, what's their priority? You know, what do they want to do? You know, are they still in the now living for that game or they've, have they already moved on? They've taken the step towards their next chapter. What's that chapter mean to them, right? Is it important to play NFL football? Yeah, these guys are going to make a better living than you and I will ever make by playing NFL football. But being on a practice squad, they're going to make a lot more than most of the people that are in the margin here just by making a practice squad for one year. And so, yeah, if you have the ability, you should probably pursue that because it's life-changing money, literally. And if you love it, especially love it, basketball or football, you got to love it because the things they're doing, the things Jaden Ivey is doing right now to become a better basketball player, you and I could never imagine how hard he is training. And you may not like Ivey or you may not like the NBA, which I don't love the NBA, but the way they work, the, the level of time these people put in is incredible. I know that was a rant that was all over the place, and I apologize. But I thought, okay, these things are all kind of related, okay? Here's the big takeaway. Purdue's going to get better in basketball. I really believe that. Purdue was ahead of schedule, in my opinion, in basketball. I think they were a year ahead. I, do not, I did not think they'd get to the top 10 in the, in the national rankings this year. I didn't think they'd get much, much past, past 20 this year, if I'm be real honest. I thought they'd be 15 to 20. Okay, I thought they'd work their way into 15 to 20. I didn't think they'd sweep uh, Thanksgiving week um, Nike tournament. I didn't think they would do that, right? But they did. And so now everybody's watching them. And now everybody has big expectations. And they had number one by their, their name because they earned it. It wasn't because some fluke. And it wasn't because they're a blue blood that gets a vote for just shits and giggles. It's because they played really, really well for a week against the best teams that everybody perceives as the best teams. Are those two teams as good as we thought? No, they're not. But that's the problem with preseason rankings, right? Purdue probably wasn't an out-of-the-top-25 team. How would you know? How would you know that this team would gel that quickly? Nobody would. Purdue's pretty good. Purdue is not... I said this last quick cast, last, last podcast. I did not think Purdue was playing like the best team in the nation. I still don't think that. I don't think they were playing their best game versus Rutgers. I think Rutgers earned the win. I think Purdue can be better. I think Purdue needs to get better now. And I think you've got Matt Painter, a motivated Matt Painter, a focused Matt Painter, who's now seen, okay, we've just played a team. They punched us, and we couldn't take it in the first half. And we had to fight and claw all the way back. Purdue needs to shoot the three better, okay? And when they do, they're a better team. Can they get that much better at the three this season? I don't know. I don't know. They're still 13th, 13th in the league in shooting the three. And then somebody gave me a little lecture in the comments last time because they didn't like the fact that I said Purdue struggles shooting the ball. They do struggle shooting the ball. Guess what? It killed them yesterday versus Rutgers. It killed them because you, without Edie to hammer in as a, a security blanket to throw it in and him turn around and just make somebody look stupid – You've got to be able to shoot not only the three, but the mid-range jumper. Outside of Brandon Newman right now, there are very few guys consistently shooting that. And Brandon Newman made it interesting yesterday by pulling Purdue into it, by hitting a couple of those. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at a couple of comments. I've already run longer than I wanted to. Heck of a rant by me. I apologize. Um, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Boiler Bugle, Bugle says, I keep hearing students aren't back in Columbus till next week, but regardless, obviously there'll be plenty there. Okay, good point. Um, if they're not back, great, because that place, if you know the history of Purdue and the Schottenstein Value City Furniture 
awful name. I don't think it's Vice anymore. We, I've been. It doesn't matter. Purdue plays poorly there historically. Uh, I think they've got one or two wins there in the last since the since the arena opened, and that's a lot of good Purdue basketball teams. So Purdue better have their big boy pants on because that place is tough, regardless if the students are there or not. Who knows? I don't know. It's 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 a pro style arena, uh, which I never like because I'm a I love Mackey. I love uh, uh, Illinois Assembly Hall, very similar similar to Purdue but bigger. I like those arenas. They're very loud. They, the fans are on top of you. They're all good sight lines. That's good. That's good stuff. I don't like those steep pro style arenas. They they seem cold uh, when you're there. Anyway, that's a sidebar. Ben Cotton, old pal, says I have uh, I have two. This is why your mom and I won't let you play football talks with my son in the last 24 hours. First, Deion Burks uh, getting carted off uh, backboard, and then Mar Hamlin. Yeah, my my son uh, played. I don't think he's going to play again. He played one year of organized football with uh, pads and helmet, um, and I wanted him to play younger actually because I knew the hitting got harder. And if he wasn't in, um, you're you're more. Uh, susceptible to injury as a football player if you're really not all in if you're not playing at a higher speed um but you're still i mean this is the highest level of the game and yeah you are very susceptible to injury the thing that i wonder about and i not to you ben but to anybody if you support football but then you won't let your kid play it that seems so such an unusual disconnect and my wife is kind of that way she did not want my son to play football and i want him to play i want because he wanted to play um and I was like, okay, this is the chance to see if he likes that sort of contact. The first time you get hit by somebody in shoulder pads and a helmet, it is like, I don't want to say life-changing, but it's close. And either you like it or you hate it. And your coach either says, all right, give it, give it some more time. Or they can see your eyes are this big. I remember the first time my son got hit and I picked him up. I grabbed him by his jersey and shoulder pads and picked him up. I was looking at him. I said, you all right? I was <laughs> close to his face mask. And he said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was kind of like, and I said, you ready to go? He said, yep. I literally, he was a littler guy, so I placed him on his feet. And he played the next down. He didn't play another season. So if you have a big problem with it, I'm talking about big problem. Like, like you're like, okay, these guys are going to kill each other, and I don't want to watch it. I understand that, but you, I don't understand how you can keep watching the game at that point. Because those are human beings. And we got reminded by that last night. That's a human being playing the game. And these are all humans. These are all, if you talk to them, and I've known a lot of guys who played high-level football, they're super interesting. Um, and they're super competitive, hyper-competitive. They all believe they're going to win. Or, well, that's not true. Many, or most of them, the really good ones, believe they're going to win every time. And they also believe they're probably the best on the field, even if they're not. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure their parents tell them, you might not be what you think you are. But anyway, um, let's see. Yeah, Michael Gordon says take away their helmets, which is funny. A lot of people have suggested that um, taking away the helmets, taking away the face masks. Um, you take away their helmets, and you are going to have people die on the field a lot. And that's what happened in early football. If you look at the history of the game, people died on the field a lot. And thank God for helmets. Thank God for protective equipment. I, it's lousy that guys launch themselves and leave their feet to to tackle people. I would say for me, it's not take their helmets away for me. It's say every player should play rugby or wrestle to learn how to tackle correctly. Because those guys, if you've ever played football against a, uh, a wrestler, they do not let go. They keep driving and they, they get a grip on you and it's like, you're going to die. It's like you're, you're being held by uh, two pythons. They're just, they're such good form tacklers. 
Um, so I understand your point, but I, I think it's a bad idea. Maybe, you take away their face mask, guys are just going to be disfigured. Like it's going to be horrible. Um, and if you've, I've, I've watched a guy get his nose broken so badly playing, just pick up old, you know, we weren't old. We were in our twenties playing pickup football. Uh, I, I don't want to see that very often. I'm, I'm, I'm a wimp though. Maybe you're tougher than me. I can't handle blood. Um, don't like seeing it. Uh, Mike, uh, I don't know how to pronounce your name. Maja, uh, Magia, Magia probably see on Twitter. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, says, I was still too mad about Brian Brom's play calling to even care about the Rutgers game. Uh, his play, play calling was a lot like it was versus Iowa a couple years ago. His play calling was pretty vanilla. I think there were only one or two plays that I thought were at all inventive or um, looked like they were reacting to the situation. Very conservative. Um, but like I said, I, 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 can't default, I can't disparage anybody. The offensive line was was really in a tough position. You're down two starters, two all, all your starters, a couple guys playing out of position. One big takeaway that I had was Musa and Mabo or Musa and Bo. Those two guys, man, I, I cannot wait to see these guys grow up in Purdue uniforms. They are good. They're going to be even better. Love those two guys. Um, but there's, there's, there's reasons to be hopeful. Let's just get to spring football when the team can actually be reassembled. There's also a rumor going out out there. I don't know if you guys saw it, and I know I should talk about it. I'm not going to give specific names, but you guys can talk in the comments. But that a guy that entered the portal from this year's team might come back. So he might. And that's happened before. Uh, Michael Lamo did that, remember, a year ago. Um, but there's, there's a rumor going around that a guy that everybody likes, everybody wants to be at Purdue. There's a lot of those in the portal right now, by the way. Might come back to Purdue. I don't know if it's true, so I'm not going to get too deep into it, but I hope it happens. Uh, let's see. Gnome 23 says you can't give up uh, a three on Rutgers in that possession. No doubt. And Morton lost track of his man again. Okay. So, so here, and I don't know if you're one of these people to say Morton is a liability on defense. Cause I'm reading between the, the lines there. It sounds like you're saying Morton lost track of his man again. Morton is the best defender on the perimeter for this Purdue basketball team. And the second best is probably Brandon Newman. Okay, so they both have their downfalls. There's no Ray Davis walking through that door. Okay, I, I'm aware of that. Ray Davis had made mistakes. Ray Davis had plays where he, he screwed up. Morton was absolutely clutch yesterday. And if you didn't watch the whole game, Painter was bringing him in offense defense starting at the three-minute mark. Not because he sucks at defense, but because he's really, really good at defense. Okay. Morton's biggest problem right now, he can't seem to shoot from the perimeter. Can't seem to shoot. Uh, I don't know why that happens to guys. Maybe it's because he's working so hard on getting stronger. Maybe he's lifting a lot. I mean, that hurts your jump shot. I was never a good jump shooter, so I don't even know. But to, to hint that Morton is not a good defender, it, it gets at me. And you guys have seen me. I get upset with this one. I've gotten upset on Twitter about this. To hint that Morton's not a good basketball player bothers me. He has things that aren't perfect, but he is a good defender. And even if he's not a great defender yet, he's the best defender, the best perimeter defender Purdue has. So I'm going to wish this guy well, and I'm going to keep cheering him on and hope he, uh, hope he dials it in even more. Painter believes in him. That's pretty damn good for me. I believe in Matt Painter. There are some guys in the Purdue system I believe in. I believe in Matt Painter. I think Matt Painter can get Purdue to the next level, that Final Four, the elusive Final Four that hasn't happened since I was five. And then uh, the next part is I believe in Mike Babinski. 
Uh, I was talking to my brothers about this, about the hire of Walters and why that, why I changed so much. When I heard Babinski talk about Walters, it changed my opinion about Walters. I said, he's got his guy. He might have the, not have the resume that I wanted. What the hell do I know? I've never hired a coach, okay? But I do believe Mike Babinski. I do believe Matt Painter, and I believe in Ethan, Ethan Morton. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm not going to answer that one. You guys can figure out that one. I'm just not going to do it. But it's not, it's not right either. I can tell you that much. You guys can put that together. Uh, uh, Brady Allen, maybe because he's not a better option. Jack Sullivan, um, I'm not going to answer. I'm not going to answer that. I like those guys. I like Branson Dean. Uh, he's another guy in the portal. Um, I even like Hudgens. I, uh, Hudgens. I thought Hudgens was going to be an impact player at Purdue, and he's in the portal, and I bet he's gone. Um, but I really liked his potential because of his combination of size. Nick Carraway is what I thought Hudgens would be right out of the shoot. Uh, and Carraway looked pretty good yesterday at times, too. Collapsed the pocket a couple times. Pretty good. Pretty tough. That LSU team, man, they are men. In the trenches, they are big. On the outside, they are fast. A couple times, they hit the gas, and Purdue defensive backs and Purdue linebackers had no idea that that much speed was left. Like, the guy had another gear, and they were like, okay, can't get to him. Um, let's see. Yeah. Joe Inslee says there's a reason Morton is starting. Exactly. Morton follows a, a, a blueprint of what painter likes in guys, right? Morton busts his ass and is a very, very good defender. Right. And by the way, teams like Rutgers, when you play a team like Rutgers and you don't have length, meaning arm length, you get in trouble really quickly. Every player on Rutgers looked long to me. And, and I, maybe somebody can tell me I'm wrong, but every player looks like they have a 6'4", six, 6'5", six, wingspan. Every single guy. I didn't see a little guy there. In fact, I didn't see a little guy come off the bench. They're all long. And that created problems for Purdue. Th- that's, that's why they're built that way. I think Pico wants those guys, right? Even the guys, I kept saying old man game is killing Purdue um, to my friends on text. Old man game was killing Purdue yesterday. Guys that were doing these little up and under, uh, you know, finger rolls. Guys doing the fadeaway one foot, you know, uh, jumper. Purdue couldn't stop them. And um, those guys were effective. Spencer and uh, Mulcahy. Mulcahy is, gosh, he's a good player. Dagnab. I can't get over how good he is and how much I wish Purdue had Mulcahy on their roster. That guy is good. He is good, and it's hilarious. You watch him as a young kid. He had huge potential. Now he just makes plays. Every time they needed something yesterday, it was Mulcahy doing it, especially down the stretch. He was stopped one time, One time, right? So, anyway. Um, good. Michael Gordon, that's a good comment. Ironic that we keep throwing salt at Morton. That's an excellent comment. Thank you for that. <laughs> well done. Okay. It's my last comment I'm reading, if it's a good one. Uh, lawyer hitting a big three is a sign of good things to come, even though they... Uh, uh, handled it well. Purdue can play uh, with less with less pressure. Uh, sorry. Yes, that was a good thing. Lawyers 3 was big. And it was good that he kind of found another gear after struggling from the free throw line. One of his free throws, I don't know if you guys watch. Watch him next time. He shoots a very unconventional free throw. He leaves the ground. Um, and he's talked about in interviews. But um, lawyer dug deep. And he had something extra mentally, which was awesome uh, to see. And it is a good sign. Smith will have better games. Smith is going to get back to the frustrating brand of basketball that he plays for other teams. He's, he's, he's going to. And by the way, uh, Mason Gillis 
had a couple huge plays, especially on the first half when the game was teetering so badly, where he was just in the right place, over and over in the right place. Again, he didn't play as much as I would have liked to, probably because of that length of Rutgers again. But dang, man, I love watching him play. And in person, I like watching him play even more because he is always doing the little stuff. He seems like he doesn't, not that, you know, like a lot of times, they, you know, people say the great thing about Purdue is they're all playing in a way that they don't need credit. Morton almost looks like he doesn't want credit. Like he doesn't want the limelight, which is a shame because I think he's a nasty basketball player. He's so good um, and he can do so many things. But he, he, he just wants to pick up the lunch pail and then go to work for a, for a cliche. So my wife and daughter absolutely love him. I can't figure out why. It's a joke. So, all right. Thanks a lot, guys. That was a long, long, quick cast, uh, nearly 37 minutes. God bless you. Happy New Year to you. Uh, like I said to my friends on a text thread, better days are ahead. That was a rough day as a Purdue fan. Uh, better days are ahead. And um, there's no doubt, no doubt things will get better. Uh, I'm excited for the future. I don't know when the future gets to what I think it's going to get to, meaning, I mean, getting to number one is pretty next level stuff. But the next level in March and April, I still believe it's coming. God bless you. Hammer down. We'll talk soon. See ya.